0: So welcome to Missy O'Day. My name is Paul, and you are in about week 18 of 70, 72 in a series called Vintage Jesus, where we're walking through the book of Mark, uh, not nonstop, but taking our time walking through the book of Mark and saying, who is Jesus, and uh, what does he say about what it means to be in Christ, to be a part of his kingdom, to be part of his life. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, and if you kind of need a little bit of a head start and you want to get there, grab your Bible. And if you didn't bring a Bible, we've got Bibles along the, uh, the aisles. And it's on page 697. I encourage you to follow along. See these words for yourself. Let it kind of infuse into your, your very life. Uh, 697. Um, and we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower and the parable of the mustard seed. I need to have a confession for you. Um, one of the things that I am still trying to wrap my mind around as a pastor is this idea of uh, what the kingdom of God is really all about. Uh, if, you're, if you're around the Christian circles long enough, you're going to hear people talk about the kingdom of God or God's kingdom and this kingdom and that kingdom of heaven and kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And if you really take the time and say, What does that mean? That person is going to look at you like, oh, dang, I'm busted because I have no clue. You know, it's kind of this ethereal term that we use in our Christian circles. um, And we really don't understand it. And Jesus does us the courtesy of painting pictures, giving us these these stories and these ideas and these Really beautiful picture stories of what it is, but if you would have grown up in in jesus time, as soon as you would hear the word kingdom, you would be right in your sweet spot because all along you have you have grown up as a child understanding this idea of god 's kingdom, that everything about uh, the world that you live in, the, the work that you do, um, everything is about God's kingdom. God being sovereign, God being the king, God being over absolutely everything. You would have gone back to your early days and thought about uh, Moses walking out of the land of Egypt as a kingdom of God's chosen people and even crossing through the Red Sea and God protecting and clearing away so that you could come through safely. You would have thought about those times in the desert where God's presence was so real that there was a fire by night and a pillar, a cloud by day, where you knew God's presence was right there in the midst of the kingdom, God's people. You would, you would remember the Mount Sinai event where God spoke to Moses. And Moses came down glowing because he was in God's presence, the sovereign, the king's presence. But for us, we really don't get that. We don't understand kingdom kind of stuff. We get democracy. We get the idea that I choose. I get to choose how involved I am, how involved religion is in my life, how involved My spiritual walk is in my life. I get to decide all those kind of things. I cast my vote and say, that's it. That's that's what I understand when it comes to kingdom. But we really don't talk about it too much. But Jesus says, listen, he starts off and says, how do we describe the kingdom of God? What parable can I tell you so that you get it? And this morning, we're going to look at two parables. And they're different. I'm going to focus on the second one and bring in the first one, and it is just a rich picture. Uh, some of you, you ladies who have uh, diamonds on your finger, uh, Chad's wife has a cubic zirconium. But um, just, just I love. I know I love you too, man. Uh, but think, you know, if as you look at as at a beautiful ring, a beautiful diamond, it is this thing, and you look at it. And if it's just freshly cleaned, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You go in, and you get it cleaned at uh, one of those places in the mall, and then they try to sell you more stuff, because it's supposedly free, but really what they want. Anyway, welcome to America. You get it cleaned, and you walk out, and there's, it just catches the light, and you go, oh, He does love me. And then you think, man, that is just the beauty of my ring, and you turn it, and there's just another facet, and you go, There is so much to this one diamond. There's just so much beauty in that one. And that's the same with the kingdom of God. Is that Jesus gives all these pictures and all these ideas about the kingdom of God. And it's like a diamond with many facets. The same thing. And he's trying to paint this picture. So it's important for us as the body, as a group of people that come under the the umbrella of Missio Day Church, to start connecting dots about the kingdom of God. Just like my daughter who tries to connect one to two to three to four to five and go all the way around so that you get a fuller picture, it's important that we also start connecting the dots, these pictures, these images of what the kingdom of God looks like. Because it is critical. It is critical that we start thinking with kingdom minds so that we can have kingdom lives, so that we can understand what it means to be in God's kingdom, to be under His rule, to be enjoying His his dominion over all of our lives. And so Jesus, in His work, in telling this story, doesn't reduce it down to just a simple definition. And we, we kind of like this reductionistic kind of thing. You know, if you've ever been in a Bible study, and somebody will say, okay, just tell me, what does that mean? Have you ever been there? It's like, okay, eschatology, just tell me, what do you believe? Is Jesus going to come back here? Or is he coming back here? Is he going to wipe out and obliterate everybody? What's he going to do? Just tell me. I just want to know. And Jesus refuses to do that. Jesus sees the kingdom of God as this huge, all-encompassing thing that integrates nature, integrates children, integrates money. And he tells this story so slowly so that we can understand and wrap our Western linear minds around this foreign concept. So let's turn to Matthew 6. I'm sorry, Matthew, Mark. What am I talking about? We're starting a new series in uh, Matthew. It's going to be 110 weeks. Uh, Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 26. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, and as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or What parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. When planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such huge branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Kind of limited capacity people. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was all alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Every year, my family goes on some kind of vacation. Um, We throw the kids in the back, and we've kind of been suckered into the American thing of just by that little video that you put on the back of your seat, so that your kids will be mesmerized by uh, Tom and Jerry or some kind of video. But somehow, somehow it squeezes out of my daughter's lips these words. And we can just be ten miles down the road. Daddy, are we there yet? And you're going, for the love of all that's holy, we're going to Iowa. We're going to Wisconsin. It's going to be at least a three to five hour trip. Honey, honey. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. For us this morning, as we look at Jesus talking about these seeds, as we're looking at this mustard seed kind of kingdom, I wonder if we get to the end of our life, and as a believer, we stand before Jesus, and we look at him and say, Okay, um, Jesus... Are we there yet? Or is this it? Are we there That And Jesus looks at it and goes, You knucklehead. You've missed it. You've missed it. You've missed the richness of, of my kingdom. You've been there all along. You were there when you were transferred into my kingdom. You missed it. And can you imagine what these disciples are thinking as these early uh, these." these Hebrew children who have grown up going to um, the teachings and hearing the rabbis speak and watching the priests and all these kind of sacrifices going on. And they've given their lives to Jesus. They've given up all their possessions, all their jobs. They've given up their prestige and kind of foolishly followed after this up-and-coming rabbi. And then they're sitting before Jesus and going, okay, Did you hear what he just said? I thought that the kingdom of God was going to be this huge upheaval. Huge upheaval where the Roman government was going to be obliterated and God would finally usher in his final kingdom where Jesus, the Messiah, would be sitting on the throne. And they're going, I thought that was it. But apparently not. We're missing something. And Jesus says, now listen, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a small, insignificant, easily trampled on sea. It's not this huge show with glitz and glamour and lights and all kinds of praise up and down the street. Instead, Jesus says, listen, what the kingdom of God is really like it is the smallest seed that you can plant in the ground. It is the smallest seed that you can plant in the ground, and it can go unnoticed. People might not notice what what it's all about, but you know what? As as Americans, as humans, we're all into bigger stuff, aren't we? We want the bigger job. We want the more prestige, we want a bigger bank account, we want more prestigious this, a more prestigious that. We want glitz and glam in our life. And if you're saying, no, I'd much rather be a pauper doing this, and I'm going, come on, be honest with yourself. There's something inside of you that is searching for significance, for something big. And Jesus is saying, uh-uh. The kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is different. God shows up on the scene as, as a homeless carpenter and points to a mustard seed and says, this is what the kingdom is, of God is like. It's small. It's insignificant. And if you really think about your, your, own, your own life, and as I think about my own life, about how many times there's God just kind of tapping on my shoulder and tapping on my life and saying, Uh-uh, uh-uh. And we're just kind of ignoring these little God opportunities, these little tiny God opportunities in our life, because we think that they're they're insignificant. Come on, God. Seriously. You definitely you're the God that created the universe. You spoke and it was. You're telling me that the kingdom of God is simple acts? Simple, small, seemingly insignificant things? God, I, I want to do something huge for the kingdom. I, I'll tell you, working with, at Camp Manitoba with college kids, or even with this group, there's, there's this sense that I want to do something huge for the kingdom. I want to do something that is significant. And God's saying... Hold on. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's small. Seemingly insignificant. You know, the idea of bringing together three or four of your neighbors together for just a a simple meal and just to see what God might do there. God's going, yes. That's it. That, that's the seed of the kingdom, of you being faithful with something small, insignificant. You don't need to plant a church. You don't need to work in a megachurch. You don't need to go overseas and convert thousands of people or convert the Bible into a totally different language. You don't have to do something huge. God is saying, listen, I want you to do something small. Be faithful with those little things the impulse that you have to reach a certain people often is just pushed off because it's insignificant you come on guy those are my those are just co-workers What about the people in Africa? Give me people in Africa and I'll do that. And it's like, God's going, what about Joe? What about Sue? What about that one? What about the one that you just gets under your skin and just bothers you? The kingdom of God is small. God says, start paying attention to the little things. Start paying attention to those little, tiny, seemingly insignificant things. Because if you are just living on the economy that says bigger is better, the glitzier the better, the more fame you have, the bigger numbers you have, you've missed it. If you think it's all about the noise that you as a church are making, you've missed it. You've missed it. If you think it's all about getting press, getting into the newspaper, getting on TV, getting an ad here, getting all this, you've missed it. The kingdom of God is different. You're going to miss the kingdom. You're going to get to heaven and you're going to ask, are we there yet? Is this it? Where was the flash, Jesus? Where was the parade? And God's going to say, "Uh uh-uh. You spent your whole life missing it. It was growing alongside of you the whole time. And you missed it. You should have paid attention to those small, seemingly insignificant impulses of the Spirit in your life. Because the kingdom seems to break in in those kind of ways. Which makes me wonder... How often do we really, as individuals, how often do you, how often do I, really entertain those what if questions? Or should I? How about kind of questions? How often do you in your, your day to day life just go, ah, you know, yeah, how about I? God, I feel like God is pulling me to do this. Yes. And then not only to entertain it, but to act on it. Those small little impulses in our hearts and in our lives where God is saying, you've got neighbors. You've got some cooking skills. You see a person in need in the grocery store. Your ears are open and the Spirit is prompting and pricking you and saying, do that? What if you, what if you, have, what if you paid their bill? What if you just dropped off groceries? What if you mowed their lawn? What if you invited them over for a meal to give them just a taste of the goodness of God? What if you, you fill in your own blank? In this, in this room, there has got to be hundreds and thousands of possible scenarios of what ifs. And what if you acted on it? Those small, mustard seed kind of kingdom opportunities. And instead of saying, not me, I don't, I don't have the skills. Allow God to say, you're right, you don't. Watch me. Watch me be faithful here because I'm gonna blow you out of the water. This little thing will grow and become. And here's here's the next thing. It talks in Mark, it says it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest plant that you plant in the garden, smallest seed that you plant in the garden. Yet, when it's planted, it becomes. Yet, when planted, when this kingdom of God gets planted into the garden, not a huge field, just your small personal garden. I love how Jesus doesn't say, okay, go out into this great wide expanse and go start scattering seeds. He said, no, just take this seed into your own personal garden and watch it become. Watch it become. Watch it take place and just manifest itself into something. And here's the deal that I'm not sure that we all understand. The planting process is messy. You, get, you grow stuff in death and decomposition. Have you ever really thought about, those of you who are, are gardeners, the dirt that you are planting stuff in is not really edible stuff. And if you really think about what is in that, you don't want a spoonful. Especially if you live out in Iowa. I remember those Saturday mornings as a kid where you knew this is it. This is this is the day. I have smelt it for days. And this is it. Dad says, all right, today we're going, to, uh, we're going to clean out the barn. Clean out the barn is not bringing out the pledge and dusting it down. It is taking shovels. It's taking uh, a skid loader and cleaning out the slop of a barn, of hogs, and the cleaning out the hog lot and putting it in a manure spreader. Okay, let me explain a manure spreader. It is this glamorous box that has these tines, this fan kind of thing in the back that has uh, you start putting all this poop that reeks to high heaven, and then you pull it behind a tractor. You pull the PTO, got that? A little bit of farmer tech, yeah. I get power takeoff, and uh, you pull the PTO, and all of a sudden there's this little elevator that starts pulling the poop back towards these tines. And all of a sudden, the poop literally hits the fan. And it's like an explosion of poop out in the field. Yeah, it's beautiful. For a farmer, it is money. It is money in the bank. But if you don't do that, the soil is no longer rich. And it's this smelly, dirty process of growth. And God is saying, listen, you take this tiny seed and you plant it in the soil where there is really, soil is death and decomposition, which creates richness. There, it creates growth all around you. There's something about making a fertile place for seed to grow. And, in the, and it's done in the stench. And it's done... In death. And I'm talking about, listen, it often requires the death and stench of ourselves. Putting to death my wants, my needs, my agenda, my this, my this. You know, God, listen, this is mine. I, I really don't, listen, you can, you can plant it, God. Good luck there. I'll put it here. But in reality, what needs to happen is we need to start putting. Our wills to death for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of that seed, the small seed, to grow, to take place. But what we do, most Christian spirituality, what most of it looks like is we take this seed and we scatter the seed in the midst of a dentist office. I hate the dentist office. And no offense if you love your dentist or if you're a dentist or a hygienist. I don't like it—the little e- <tails> noises and the smells and that bad music. Come on, it's supposed to calm you, but the dentist office is sterile. Nothing bad grows in a dentist office, but here's the flip side: nothing good either grows in a dentist office. But what do we do? We we kind of Spread seeds in sterile places. And we think our lives are even sterile places and we don't realize that there's no junk there for the seed to possibly grow and take place. The only real way for it to take place in our life is to be honest and say, I need to make this soil better by... Allowing death to take place. My selfish wants, my selfish needs, my selfish whatever. And the thing about the kingdom of God is that it gets planted in nasty places in your life. And even in the nasty places of our city. People are always saying that they want to see God at work. I want... I just want to see God move here. I just want to see God move here. But most of the time, they never want to go where God is moving. We kind of want to do this bleacher mentality and say, Okay, God, move over there, but please don't call me out of the bleachers. They're hanging out in the dentist's office wondering why God is not up to anything there in their lives. God's teeth are fine. He's out looking for people whose lives and situations are a wreck. God is saying, give me your addiction. He's saying, give me your selfishness. Give me that thing that you're ashamed of and are trying to pretend that I don't know it exists. Give me all those things. And that's the very place I want to grow my kingdom. In your mess, in your junk, in that dirty place, in your addiction, you know what? If you're willing to die to yourself, I want to grow my kingdom right there. In your selfishness, if you're willing to die to that selfishness, I want to plant my kingdom right there. Because that's going to be a beautiful garden. God is saying, are you willing to do that? And it's not just inside of you that God wants this seed to take deep root in your life. He wants it to go outside as well. God's saying, I want to grow this kingdom in this wonderful city that you're worshiping in. I want to grow this seed in the places that you're living and working and breathing. And God is saying, I hope, I hope that you have a deep concern and love For your areas. It's a city that God wants to redeem. Mokina is a city that God wants to redeem. That God wants to be glorified in when His name is lifted up. And it's not beyond hope. Many of us come in here, we are basically the vanilla village and we are white, rich, upper middle class people. Even though you think you're poor... You're rich, get over it. And we look around and go, there's no problems in our area. You want to bet? Maybe it's that you haven't died to yourself. Maybe it's not, maybe it's that you haven't allowed your eyes to open up. It's here. There is pain here. Doing coffee in Frankfurt. I meet Emma almost every time I do coffee outside. Emma is a homeless woman who walks the streets of Frankfurt, who does not shower, who just gets enough money to buy cigarettes. She's lost it all. We've got people in this school district who have got to have free and reduced lunches. We've got certain areas where there's immigrants who live and we choose to ignore. We just hire them to mow our lawn. That's crappy. Excuse the French, but that's awful. The body of Christ He's sow seeds in the city and redeem the city, provide hope and love for everybody. God wants to break in, but God says it requires you to participate with Him in this action that He's already at work. If you look back, it says in. Uh, Four, verse 27 and 28 night and day whether the farmer sleeps or he gets up the seed sprouts and grows and though he does not know how all by itself the soil produces grain first the stock then the head then full kernels in the head God is at work already in our city, and are we willing? We, we don't know how God works, but are we willing to open up our eyes and watch and see where those kingdom seeds are being planted, where God is already at work? We don't know how He's doing it, where He's doing it, unless we're really listening and tuned into God's kingdom. And God is saying, even in this mess, even in this city, even with these people, I can grow the beauty and the wonder of my kingdom in even that. God is concerned with our willingness or our lack of willingness to participate with him in his kingdom. God's highly concerned about that. The thing that I don't like about this this parable, I know you're not supposed to like stuff about the Bible, but thing that i don't like about is that i know enough about myself that i like the kind of spirituality that i can control you know what i'm talking about it's kind of like um okay just tell me what i gotta do and i'll do it i need to take another do another bible study all right i'll do another bible study what i need to get involved in another ministry i'll do that i'll do another ministry what i need to fast okay i'll fast tell me what i gotta do You know, if Jesus would have just said, hey, here's the eight things you need to do to get into the kingdom of heaven and get into, you know, be really faithful with God. Do these eight things. I would have had that done a long time ago and I would have been set. But Jesus says, hold on a second. The kingdom of God is nothing like that. It's nothing like uh, just here's some lumber, build this and you're done. The kingdom of God is like a seed. I can't make a seed can't make a watermelon I can't build a seed I can water it I can tend it I can pull weeds from around it the sin and the junk in my life but the miracle that happens within that seed I can't produce I can't make it happen but you and I as, as followers of Jesus are yoked, are tied to the Spirit of God. It's only the Spirit of God who can grow the life of Christ within us. You can cultivate it. You can partner with it. You can pull the weeds of sin and distraction from around it, but you can't make it grow. I love it because it's so freeing, but I hate it because I can't control it. I can just see Some of you going, what do you mean? I can't control my God and how the kingdom of God looks in my life. Seriously, you are not sovereign. I've never seen any of you part the Red Sea. Never seen any of you raise a man or woman or child from the dead. I've never seen you walk on water. We have all kinds of opportunities everywhere we go. And it's all about redeeming the world from this perception of Christianity. The church just isn't a voter block. It's not a voter block that is trying to control the morality of our country. But maybe, maybe, We are this subversive seed that shows up, that gives lives our lives to bless each other and to bless the city. Mark, throw up a... This is from uh, Father Thomas Keating talking about this uh, thing about the mustard seed. In the Jewish view of the world, order was identified with holiness and disorder with uncleanliness. Hence, there there were very strict rules about what could be planted in a household garden. The rabbinical law of diverse kinds ruled that one could not mix certain plants in the same garden. It goes on to say, A mustard plant was forbidden. It was forbidden in a household garden because it was fast spreading and could tend to invade the veggies. I love it that a priest talks about veggies, not vegetables. In stating that this man planted a mustard seed in his garden, the hearers are alerted to the fact that he was doing something illegal. An unclean image thus becomes the starting point of Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God in this parable. He was planting something fast-growing and illegal, subversive in this garden. He was breaking all the rules with a tiny seed. And I wonder if if we as the people of God are willing to be that, that subversive seed right where we're at in our own little gardens, in our own little areas of our life. Right here in Mokina, in the Lincoln Way area. If you live in Tinley Park, Lauren Park, we'll, in, we'll include you in. But Pietone that's pushing it. But you know, um, you know, could the kingdom of could we be that subversive seed where we say, you know, I'm going to plant the seed. It's not supposed to be here. But let's let's plant it and let's let's see what happens. Let's see what kind of growth can take place. And maybe if we would do it without expecting any kind of return. I've been a part of churches that, okay, if we do this, if we do this kind of campaign, if we do this kind of campaign, you know what it's going to do? It's going to bless us because we're going to get more people in our seats. And you know what it's going to do on top of that? It's going to be more money in the coffers. So let's do this kind of program. And I'm going, what are you talking about? That's not how the kingdom of God works. Yes, the kingdom of God is about... Growth and seeing fruit come apart come come, but it's more about the kingdom of God is more about being a blessing, about how can I serve you? How can I die to myself, my wants, my needs, and serve you? The people that I don't even know, and maybe your heart starts to actually care for people you don't even know. The kingdom of God is this subversive thing that gets into the soil of our communities and it becomes a plant. It becomes bigger. It grows. And maybe we should be more about uh, giving people opportunities to ask questions, to dialogue. Eat, to laugh, to play. to Maybe just catch a glimpse of Jesus in what we do and who we are. What if we become that kind of kingdom people? I believe that's when kingdom, God's kingdom grows and becomes. And the thing is that the seed that started out to be so small and insignificant, it becomes significant and a blessing to all. And if you look at it, it talks about how uh, when, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. It's not like a General Sequoia huge thing. It becomes the largest of all garden plants. Right in your own backyard, it becomes huge in your garden. And then on top of that, it says, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. And if you were around a few weeks ago, we walked through the parable of the sower. And there was this imagery of these birds. They're almost birds of prey just waiting for the gospel seeds to be sown. And these birds see these seeds bouncing on the hard soil, and they come down and devour the gospel. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's going to become a huge garden plant. And these birds, they're going to perch in the shade and enjoy the blessing of the shade that you now provide. She's saying, listen, if you're faithful, those who are resistant to the gospel, resistant to the kingdom, are going to enjoy the shade that you provide. You're going to be a blessing to those who don't want to receive the blessing. Those who are saying, Christianity, what a bunch of bull. Come on now. Oh, yeah, maybe there is a guy, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And you're going, maybe a blessing to you. Let me provide some shade for you. Let me care for you. You're ultimately responsible for your decisions, but you know what? I want to bless you. I want to love on you. I want to care for you. You could perch in these branches for as long as you want. So think about it in your workplace. Those people that are just, you just want to offer the right hand of fellowship in the face. You know, those, not that I have any people like that that I work with, Chad, but, uh, you know, there's those people that you, you rub elbows with and you're just in their lives and you're going, man, sure. And God is saying, why don't you be a blessing? Allow those that are your enemies to perch in your branches and enjoy the shade of blessing of the kingdom of God. So this past week, and I've got to wrap this up. This past week, the other night, a group of leaders got together to talk about Missio Day Church and what God is up to, and God is uh, causing us to really ask some good questions about who are you, who did you originally intend to be, what what was it that, what was that vision that I I, I birthed in you. And God is saying, "I'm going to force your hand. What is it that you really value? Because these are the things that I really value." And you're, you, if you're a regular attender of Missio Day, you're going to get a letter to this, uh, about a three or four page letter about this. But I just want to give you a, just a glimpse as to what we were redreaming about, feeling that like God is recalling us. We we talked uh, about how we feel that God is recalling us to be all about gospel transformation right here in the community. The preaching and the serving with the gospel right here, right where we're at. We believe that God is calling us to be all about impacting this community in real, relevant, honest ways. Not contrived church programs, but real ways of serving the community, loving Mokina Public Schools, loving the police department, loving the fire department, loving the the village, caring about the beauty of this city and impacting and offering shade. But we also believe that God is calling us to be a church that is sending out 50% of everything that comes in. And we're creating a plan to make it happen. It scares the living daylights out of me. Because last week our offering was about $700. It scares the living daylights out of me. But creating a plan where we say, God, this is your kingdom. You love this city more than we'll ever love it. You love this church more than we could ever love it. But, God, you want us to be faithful? We'll We'll be faithful. We're going to participate with you. We're going to cultivate this earth. We're going to pull out the weeds and the distractions within our body. And we're going to be faithful. We're going to go forward. That's going to call us to live differently, to serve differently, to give differently, to be in this community differently. And it may mean that some of you may go. Don't want you to. But you're going to go, come on, I just want a church that's all about great, a great band and some great music, about Sunday morning. And we're going to say, you know what? We're really about this, the other six days of the, of the week. That's what we're about. About empowering you and training you and giving you opportunities to go out into the community and to transform this community with the power of the gospel and be the kingdom of God. To see it unveil and become richer and more beautiful. That's what we're about. That's what lights fire in my belly. I love to preach. I'll be honest, I love it. I love even more hearing stories of people who are faithful in their community. And allowing the gospel to transform their lives and to transform their relationships, transform a neighborhood, a city. To hear the mayor of Mokina say, seriously? You're asking me what you can do for me? Come on. What do you want? No, seriously. We want to bless you. What can we do? Garbage pickup? We'll do it. We'll get our hands dirty. And here's my prayer. My prayer is that we are people who practice the presence of the kingdom all around us. My prayer is that we really understand and participate. That we really get that. And that we live life in this community. And we can say, I've tasted, I've experienced, I've touched, and I've lived vibrantly in this kingdom of God the whole time. And I'm not going to get to heaven and say, Okay, God, are we there yet? Is this it? Is this where the party begins? And God's going to say, no, the kingdom of God is here. June 1st, 2008, the kingdom of God is here. Are you ready to participate? Are you ready to enjoy my kingdom, my goodness, my richness, my provision, my care here today? Or are you going to wait for eternity? Because it starts now. You've been transferred right into my kingdom right now. I want us to be a people who are willing to get our hands deep into the dirt. Where we're really willing to say, God, may your kingdom come today. May your will be done today here on earth Right here on earth, as it is in heaven. May we reflect that heavenly realm, that heavenly order. Here. Harmony. Beauty. Redemption. God does call us to repentance. He calls us to be people that are repenting and remembering how... uh, the kingdom of God really works. And how Jesus Christ came as a beautiful picture of what it means to be selfless and to offer redemption by giving Himself, His very lifeblood, so that we can stand rightly before God. And this morning we are going to participate in communion. And for some of you... For some of you, communion is just one of these rote things that we do Sunday after Sunday. Or maybe once a month or once a quarter. It all depends on what denomination you're a part of. But we're going to celebrate communion. And this is a reminder of God's kingdom. And how He even does transformation and change. Scripture says that uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for me. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the meal, he took the cup and said, This, this cup is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Or whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he gives a warning. And I'm giving you a warning. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment. You can participate in anything at Missio Day Church. You can be on, uh, you can serve free coffee, you can enter stuff into the computer. You can set up chairs. You can do whatever you want, but there's one thing that we ask that you not participate in if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, where you have not confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And that's communion. This is a special meal for the body of of Christ. This is a special meal where we remember His goodness. We remember His, the depths of where we were and the heights to which he has taken us because of the blood that he has shed for us. This is a time of repentance, of turning again towards Christ. But I'm going to tell you, it's also a time of celebration. It's a time where after we're done taking communion, we will enter into a time of celebration of what God has and is doing in our midst. It's not a funeral dirge. It's also a time of celebrating. Celebrating God's goodness, his richness, his provision, and his care for his people, those that he has called. We celebrate this by by means of intention. So would the service come forward, please? We take the bread Christ's body, his physical representation of him. And you'll come to a a server on one side or the other. And take a piece of bread. And that person will say, the body of Christ, broken for you. And then you'll take that piece of bread and go to the next person. Dip it into the juice. The blood of Christ poured out for you. Amen? And then you eat and celebrate. We're not going to do this row by row. We're going to do this when you're ready. So take your time. This is also a time where we, like I said, give and receive benevolence. So, come, for all things are ready. Take time to repent and come before the Lord. But then come with joyful hearts that are saying, the Lord is good. For as far as the east is from the west, so far are my sins separated from me. Come, for all things are ready.